0: I would like to begin by expressing our thanks to those that are visiting with us. I look out, and it's always a pleasure and a joy to see uh, people that come each week and desire the opportunity to worship God. And we hope that as you're here, you'll find everything to be done in accordance with God's word. I'd also like to point out if you look to my left, in the very back, you can find Brother Mike Kixon. We're so glad he's here. Uh, one day, hopefully next week, you'll see him up here. Uh, But I know he would prefer to be up here, and and I pray that shortly, that soon he'll be able to to be back up and uh, preaching and filling this pulpit. Today, I would invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. The verse that was just read a moment ago uh, by Brother Cameron on that of declaring the whole counsel of God. Today we're going to look in uh, Acts chapter 20 at what exactly is going on here is we have the Ephesian elders that are called by Paul to, to meet at Miletus. He, wants, he desires to meet with them because of the things that are about to take place, because he's also afraid that he's not going to see them anymore, and because he wants to warn them about the future. So if we look at Acts chapter 20, we're going we're to dissect and look at each each verse and look at three different main points that we find in the text here. We're going to be looking at verses 24 through verses 30. So in Acts chapter 20, in verse 24, we see it says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. For the first point, I chose Paul's evacuation. What we see really taking place here is Paul saying, hey, I'm going away. You're not gonna see me anymore, but yet I desire to talk with you. He has a desire to wish them off. He's kind of giving his goodbye, so to speak, to the elders that are there at Ephesus. So we see Paul's evacuation as he has the end of his course in mind. Now, when we think about Paul and the end of his course, the first thing that that I think of is that of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 where he said he has finished his course. He said, I've run the race. I've finished my course. Uh, The the two terms is later on in his life, first used here or one time used here in Acts chapter 20, later used, he says, I have finished my course. The time of my departure is at hand. He had done what he had set out to do. His time was soon to be over with. But looking in Acts chapter 20 and noticing in verse 24, it says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. This reminds me of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 where the Apostle Paul says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Notice that here in verse 24 he says "I count my, nor do I count my life dear to myself. It's not all about me but so that I may finish my race with joy. So he's got a purpose, he's got a course, he's got a aim or a direction that he's heading towards. I believe it has to do with that of the people he desires to teach. I believe his course that he has in mind is the good that he can do for the whole of the kingdom. And I believe his course is that of going to Rome. As we see here in Acts chapter 20, at the end of verse 24, it says, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul's plan was testifying the gospel of the grace of God. If there's something that is that is great, that we can hold, hold on to with all our strength, we can look forward to knowing that we have something great it's the grace of God sometimes it seems as though we overlook one subject or another I don't know if we overlook which one it might be because they're all important when it comes to the grace of God there's nothing more that we can have without Christ Without without the blood of Christ, we wouldn't have that grace of God that gives us the opportunities that we have today. We wouldn't have the washing away of sins that comes into play because of that, of the grace of God. If you look at Titus chapter 2, notice in verse 11 and 12 that it says, "...for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men." That grace of God is the only thing that can bring about salvation. Now, I'm not saying there aren't things that we have to do. I'm not saying that the grace of God is is extended on a checklist, like the Santa Claus, good boy, bad boy, good boy, bad girl, good girl, good girl. I should have just said bad boys and good girls, because we all know that that's really how it works. But, But the grace of God... ...is extended to those that fulfill the commands of God... ...that fulfill the, the plea that God makes to love Him, to serve Him, to put Him first. Down in verse 12, it said, "...teaching us that un- denying ungodliness and worldly lust, ...we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age." Back in Titus chapter 2. The point is that we have the, that which is tied with the grace of God... ...receiving the, race, the grace of God, which is denying ungodliness... And it's in opposition, which is first mentioned, ungodliness. The lusts of the world. You've got the the evil, the the things that are bad that we we are to stay away from. It says denying those things. And then it has the things that you're supposed to welcome, that are supposed to be a part of our life. We can also look at Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, where it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sins abound... Grace abounds more. Mike has spoken before about a man named Jeffrey Dahmer. As we know, Jeffrey Dahmer was a person that was uh, very bad. If we look at the things that he did, we would be blown away by the great sins that he committed. But where where sin abounds, grace so much the more. The point is that no matter what is done, that's where the blood of Christ comes in. We like to think that all people just live the perfect life. We would like to think that all people are just as good, at a, good as us and look around and say, oh, well, I can't believe they did that. The facts are within Scripture. The facts are within Christianity. Does that, <laughs> that's not the case. It's not a matter of looking around and saying, well, look what they did. It's not a matter of looking around and saying, <laughs> look at them. In fact, that's, that's what the Pharisees did the fact of Christianity is that the grace of God is extended to me because of my sin just as much as those that we, we consider today the greatest sinner the grace of God was extended to them back to Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 we'll notice that that grace of God is what Paul is teaching that grace of God is what he's he's striving to make known to these people at the end of the verse he says that they know that, they've, that he's taught this he says Uh, in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He's testifying of the grace of God that can be extended to mankind if they're only willing to receive it. If they're only willing to then live for it, to live for Christ, to do the things that God has asked. Paul's plan was to testify that of the gospel, of the grace of God. The gospel being the good news. The grace being the one that can justify us with the Father. Being the the opportunity that we have to be cleansed because the grace comes into play. At the in verse 25 we see Paul, he makes the point that he's going away, he's not going to see them anymore. He says, indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. So he's, he's making his departure, he's, he's telling them, hey I'm going away and I'm not going to see anymore. And so then he's going to begin to kind of give an overview of his plan for them. He's going to give an overview for the elders here at Ephesus as well as the church when they when they go home, when they leave Miletus and return return to the church at Ephesus. So here he's he's giving a admonition or a, a departure speech and and he's getting ready to go on his way. Following this we see the main point that I wanted to focus on is Paul's obligation. If you look in Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty six and twenty seven it says, Therefore I test of you testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. How precious those words are. It can only mean more when we're able to say for ourselves that I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. There are times when I look back at, for instance, a a friend, a person that I knew through school and maybe I didn't tell them the things that I should have or even today, a little bit closer to home, people I've met around the community in Olive Branch that I I might not have given them the full opportunity. Notice the attitude that that Paul had in verse 26, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. What he's meaning, what he's saying is I've given the opportunity. I fear sometimes that maybe for reasons of my own, I don't know what they might be, but for reasons of my own, I choose to conceal that message, the gospel of the grace of God. Maybe for some reason I just didn't didn't feel the courage to tell a person about the grace of God. I believe oftentimes if there was a place that we could fall short, this is a, a very simple one. Maybe it's not as pointed out as as some of the sins maybe it's not as pointed out as some of the things that that Paul lists as things we must abstain from but yet we want to be like Paul and be able to say I'm innocent of their blood (laughs) if you remember at the the crucifixion of Jesus he said, I'm innocent of this just man's blood washed his hands well that's what Paul is trying to say I have tried I tried to teach you the truth I tried to give you the gospel of Christ, but you, you have denied it. As Christians, we should desire nothing more than to say the same thing. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we see there that Jesus tells them, Go ye into all the world and preach the, preach the gospel to every creature. He gives us the command to go out. He gives us the command to go ahead and get ready to wash your hands. Go out and teach so they can change. But the ones that don't change, you can wash your hands because you tried. You can wash your hands because you gave it your all. Because you tried to help them receive that good news. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said he came to do the will of his Father. He came to do the work of the one that sent him. To finish his work. We, we should be just like Jesus as Paul here is, is mentioning that he has, can wash his hands. Because he's tried to teach them. Jesus said, know you not that i am come to do the will of my Father. We ought to have that same attitude because the will of the Father, the work that we have, is preaching that message. The work that we have to do is to go out and tell the world about the great saving gospel, about the gospel of Christ, how that they can be saved through the blood of Christ that was shed for them, how the grace is extended to them through that blood, which we must then make contact with. Spreading the good news should be the greatest privilege known to man. I believe if you look at Paul in the beginning of Romans chapter 1, when he's speaking there, I feel like there's an enthusiasm in his voice. When he says, so much as in me is, I'm now ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I feel like there's an excitement to go out and to make the gospel known unto them. I believe today we ought to have that same excitement. So much as in me is... I want to be ready to go out and to preach the gospel. I want to be able to go out and make known to people the good news of Christ. I would say it would make a great New Year's resolution to to be sure that I tell everyone more about Christ, but I don't want it to be a New Year's resolution. I want it to be a December 1st, 14th resolution. I want to, from today, make sure that I try to do everything I can to convert a person to Christ. I want to do everything I can to say, as Paul did, that he washed his hands, that he had done everything he could to teach these people. Spreading the the good news is the greatest thing that we can do. If you look in Ezekiel chapter 3, possibly this this is what Paul is making reference to when he says that he could wash his hands. But if you look at Ezekiel chapter 3, you'll notice in verse 17, and following it says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to the warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but... His blood will I require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way he shall die in his iniquity but you have delivered your soul. You see that the, the end, end result drops closer to home. Not only did, it, did they have the responsibility to teach but when they, when they didn't do he says I required at your hand but when you teach and they don't and they don't receive it you see that their hands were cleaned, their hands were washed they were not accountable for that person they didn't have that that great weight on their shoulders man I didn't help them I believe one of the greatest opportunities that we can have is the opportunity to go out and teach someone Speaking this week with Billy during the funeral, he talked about one of the the men that he had studied with who had been baptized and has, has gone on to not only live a Christian life but has become a preacher and has converted many more. What a joy it is to know that you helped a person. But how sad it would be to know that there was someone that you didn't try, that you didn't give the opportunity If you look at Acts chapter 18, just a couple pages back from where we are in Acts chapter 18, verses 5 through 6, it says, When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He said, I tried. I wanted to help you follow Christ, but they weren't having it. They weren't going to do what he had said. It says when they opposed and blasphemed, they went against everything, he said. They said, don't teach us that message. We don't need any part of that. And he washed his hands and said, it's not on me. We see the the great message as Paul goes out and preaches that of the gospel of Christ. Those that don't receive it, the hands are washed because it's not on me. We definitely don't want to have, have it be upon us that I didn't tell someone about the good news. Paul did not refrain from teaching anything. He taught them everything they had to know for their soul salvation. The desire today is to teach just that. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, I believe, would be 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, he describes and displays exactly what is that gospel. What is is it that saved them, being the gospel? How is it that they can stand, being the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, "'Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, "'which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you were saved.'" If you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ also died, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We have the gospel plan, the gospel message. How that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. If we compare that with Romans chapter 6, we see that just like Christ did that, the man that we are, being dead in sin, put off that old man of sin, being buried in the water, the watery grave of baptism, rising again to walk in newness of life, we see the gospel plan. We see the good news, the message that we're to preach. We see the message that we're to teach. Sometimes I hate the word preach because I feel like everybody thinks... (laughs) Preaching is just for the preacher. The word preach goes into that of proclaiming the good news. Preach the good news. Tell the world about the good news. Paul did not refrain from teaching any part of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, we see that the command once again is left to go out and to teach, but also at the end in verse 20 it says, teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, or even to the end of the age, even to the end of time as we know it. It didn't stop when they, when they got these people to the point where they understood Jesus was the Christ. It didn't stop when they got to the point where these people understood Jesus that they needed to confess the name of Christ. It didn't stop when they understood that they had to repent, that they had to be baptized. In fact, it doesn't stop with with the idea of being faithful unto death because they have to continue to grow. Faithfulness implies that they're going to continue to grow in the Word. They're going to continue to grow in what God said. If we are faithful, the promise is a crown of life but it, only can be, it can only be held, it can only be received by those that continually adhere to God's word, that continue to make God's word a part of their life. Paul did not refrain from teaching anything. And because of that, because he taught them the whole message, because he taught them the truth, he gave it his heart's passion to teach them so that they could be saved, to teach them about the grace of God how they could receive remission of sins. Since Paul did not refrain from teaching any of that, Paul could then say that he had washed his hands. He could then say that, I've done all that I can, and I desire to say the same thing. I want to make sure I take every opportunity to reach out to those around me. I want to make sure that I can say on on the final day that I've done everything I can, I've tried. I've tried. I tried to tell them about Christ and they, they opposed it. That's, that's the words that Paul, Paul will be able to say. They had no desire for it. They opposed it. And then, because of that, he could stand before God ready. He could stand before God and say, I've finished my course. He could say, I've fought the fight. And therefore, he could say, he knows that he has the crown of righteousness now if you go back to Acts chapter 20 we'll notice verses 28 through 30. Paul's apprehension. Almost like a second thought, but not really a second thought. It's just a sadness that he had to go away. There's a fear for the church at Ephesus. Look in verse 28 and following it says, therefore take heed yourselves to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Notice in verse 30. He said, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Paul's apprehension is because he fears for the flock. He fears for the church at Ephesus Paul declares that it's their job it's the job of the elders there at Ephesus to ensure that the members of the church there are fed elders today obviously would have that, that same job that same task laid upon them here notice in verse 28 where he says therefore I take heed to yourselves talking to the elders and to all the flock for all of them among which the holy spirit has made you overseers which he has purchased with your own blood with his own blood sorry take heed to the church ensure that they're fed ensure that they can grow in the lord <clears throat> he says in verse he says take heed yourselves and to the flock it's not just one but it's to everyone it's to the entire church those that make up the church if you notice here it says the, the church is the one which Christ died for. It's the one that he purchased with his blood. It's not my church, it doesn't belong to me. I've often heard people, people say something about my church and we know that it's just a, a, a matter of speech. However, the facts are it's not my church, it's no, no one else's church. It belongs to Christ. My goal is to give the glory to Christ... And my goal is to ensure that as many people that are willing to listen to his message, as many people that are willing to adhere to God's word are put into that church. Now they're only going to be put into that church by the Lord if we notice in Acts chapter 2. We'll notice the Lord adds to the church. It says in verse 47. We'll notice that there's, there's things that they have to do to be added to that church. If you read through the rest of Acts chapter 2 or in fact you could read through most any part of the New Testament and find out there are, there are tasks that are given to those that want to be found pleasing to God. Feed the church of God which the Holy Ghost has made them overseers or the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. The proper nourishment is something that will help prevent sickness. Without proper nourishment, what's going to happen? There's going to be some that are malnourished. Malnourished leads them to be sick or to die prematurely. The health of a soul is what's at stake. It says, feed the church of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Here it says, obey those who have the rule over you. Laying the job on the member of the congregation... Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls. The purpose. They watch out for you. Therefore, submit to them. Obey them that have the rule over you. As leaders, obey them that are the leaders. But notice in Ephesians that the problem wasn't just members that would crop up. It wasn't just people in the church or an outsider that came in and said or that, that tried to take one away that was a false teacher that said things that were against God's word. If you look in Acts chapter 20 notice in verse 30 it said also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. It still comes back to God's word. No wonder when God talks about those in Berea. He said these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the scriptures. We have those as leaders so that they can lead over us, but that doesn't take away our responsibility to say, well, it's all on them. Paul is encouraging the elders of the church because he knows what's coming. He knows the struggles that the church in Ephesus is going to have. If you look at Acts chapter 20 verse... uh, Verse 29, it says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He knows that there's some that are going to try and destroy the church that God set up, that Christ set up. He knows that there are some that are going to come in to destroy all the good things that are happening. It's always possible, and it's always a scary thought to know that there's Satan working to destroy, to try and destroy every good thing that's going on. It's a scary thought to know that that all the good that we try to do, there's someone that's out there to oppose it. So on on our part, keep your head up, look forward to the goal, be on guard. Really the whole the whole idea here that he's telling Paul is that that Paul is telling the elders is be on guard. Be on guard for false teachers. Be on guard for those that are trying to divide you, that are, that are coming in as wolves to devour the flock because he cares about the souls. Now, if you notice back at the beginning of verse 28, it said, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And I want to point out real quick that it's no different today. Now, it is a little bit different in how it took place, but today, one would be made an overseer by that of the Holy Spirit, meaning the inspired word. The Holy Spirit has given the inspired word so that we can study from it. And in that, for instance, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, we see the guidelines that the Holy Spirit has set up. So in the same way, the Holy Spirit still today appoints or or makes up those or authorizes those that are the elders that are the bishops that are the overseers those that are the overseers are those that are watching out for us therefore we want to ensure that we strive to follow that we strive to not only follow but we want to ensure that we check the word that we know that everything that's done is in accordance with God's word Paul knows of the dangers that will haunt the church at Ephesus in fact if you look later in Revelations chapter 2 you'll see that or in Revelation I believe I put an S there in Revelation chapter 2 in verse 2 or really starting in verse 1 you see the letter to the church at Ephesus and you'll see that there's already problems that are cropping up in fact in verse 2 he mentions and that you cannot bear those who are evil notice those people that are trying to take away the truth. Those that are trying to destroy the good that is taking place. Here is Paul, as Paul is, is telling them at Ephesus, as he's teaching these, these elders or as he's encouraging them, he says be ready. Be aware. Be on guard. Today is no different. We have to be on guard because you never know. You never know when false teachers will try to creep in it seems sad as you look around to many of the things that go on around, even in those that profess to be followers of Christ, even in those that profess to be the church that Christ built. You'll find things that are so, so much in opposition to God's word. We want to beware of false prophets. We want to beware of those that rise up, that strive to take us away from the truth. As we looked in Ezekiel chapter 3, we noticed that, that we have a part in those that, that we didn't ever give a try, that we didn't ever try to encourage to do what's right. But you play the biggest role in your life. You play the biggest role on whether or not you do what's right. We have to ensure that we're adhering to God's word. We can only know that if we study it on our own. Paul fears for not only the members of the church at Ephesus, but he feared for the elders. One point I wanted to make is that it means no one's above it. As a person that stands stands in the pulpit from time to time, I'm still, I'm just as susceptible to sin. It's still a possibility in my life. You've got people that claim to be a pope. They're a person, and in fact, if you look at the things that are said, they're far from far from adhering to the scriptures. Every person, no matter how, how looked up to they are, they have the ability to go wrong. Once upon a time, there were people that had to break away from the universal church, or what was thought to be the universal church, because the things weren't... We're in accordance with the scriptures. We need to ensure what we do is accordance with the scriptures. We need to ensure that we're like Paul and we can say, I've declared the whole counsel of God. And we want to be able to say that I lived by the counsel of God so that one day we can receive the crown of life. No person is above temptation. No person is above the possibility of falling away. Ensure for you, and Jared Rhodes needs to ensure for me that we're ready on the day of judgment. All we want is for people to accept that same message that Paul taught. All we want is for people to be following after the gospel of the grace of God. We want people to be teaching the gospel of the grace of God. It's such a great blessing that we have the opportunity to receive that grace because of the blood of Christ. It's such a great blessing to know that Christ came and he suffered and died though he was a perfect man because he loved me. It's such a great blessing to know that I can follow him. I hope that if there's anyone here today that that you would make that choice. If you look in scripture it's, it's not a hard message. If you look at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as was mentioned earlier how that Jesus, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. We can follow that same pattern. Let's put off this old person of sin. Put off the person that that hasn't been a follower of Christ and reach out to the blood of Christ so that we can receive that grace, so we can have the opportunity of the home in heaven. That's why it's called washing away of sins. That's why it's called remission of sins, because that's what the blood of Christ does. We only want all mankind to adhere to the gospel. In Mark sixteen sixteen, it said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's our desire. We want to help each other. We want to help the world. And we want to help anyone here tonight that hasn't done just that. If you haven't given your life to Christ, please come as we stand and sing.